Chicago Queer and Now is a joint venture between Chicago Reader and Windy City Times. I'm Amy Matheny. Welcome to Chicago Queer and Now, the podcast love child of Chicago Reader and Windy City Times. Today we talk with Chicago music maker Casey Ortiz. If you listen to our first show, we featured Casey's music throughout, and you're hearing her on today, especially her brand new single of the summer, Beat, Beat, Beat. We talk about living in the South, making music in a pandemic, Black Lives Matter, but always bringing the joy. So stay tuned for that. But first, let's go to Kirk Williamson and the news. I'm Kirk Williamson, and here's the news brought to you by Windy City Times. Longtime Chicago LGBTQ and HIV AIDS activist Roman Buenrostro died March 25th due to complications from cancer. Buenrostro's activism began as a Stop AIDS Chicago volunteer in 1989, educating the community about HIV AIDS prevention. He also co-founded Association of Latino Latinas Motivating Action, or ALMA, that same year. One of Wayne Rostro's focuses at Alma was campaigns such as Salud y Orgullo Mexicano that focused on communities most impacted by HIV. Wayne Rostro was 54. LGBTQ Victory Fund, the only national organization dedicated to electing LGBTQ leaders to public office, endorsed 23 LGBTQ candidates, including Illinois candidate Crystal Larson, who's running for Avon Township Clerk, and Michael Campbell, who's vying to be re-elected as Fox River Grove Memorial Library Board Trustee. Elections for their races will take place Tuesday, April 6th. And today's Chicago Queer and Now trivia question is, in which year did Chicago's first Pride Parade take place? You think you know the answer? Stick around until the end of the show and find out. It's time for Best of Chicago from Chicago Reader. Pick up or download your copy of the March 18th issue to see over 250 winners reflecting the best in our city. For Best of Chicago, visit chicagoreader.com. Chicago Queer and Now. For today's deep dive, let's get to know KC Ortiz. KC is evolving into a tour de force Chicago music maker who, according to Chicago Reader, drops meaty, assertive rhymes with a triumphant punch, and her frisky performances can make any instrumental sound better. KC, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me on. Oh my gosh, I'm a fan. I'm a new fan. And it's good to have new fans because that means new people are listening. More and more people are listening to your music. And there is a lot, a lot of music that you have put out in a short period of time, lady. I got to tell you, you are prolific. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Tell me, where were you born? I was born in Mobile, Alabama. 
Yes, you were. I can hear that Alabama twang and I love it. I am also a Southerner from Tennessee. Um, so I want to ask, um, being a Southerner, I just know it can be very impactful to your life. How do you think the South plays a role for you as an artist? Um, I, I think a lot of my experiences I draw from growing up in the South, um, like living in the country or like the, the, just the culture. Um, one example is like when I went to visit my aunt one time, just how, how friendly everyone is. And it's just this sound of Alabama that I love, like in the voice and I tried to hide that for a long time when I left Alabama but now I like really embrace it yeah I just heard myself earlier say the word Annie and I I should say Annie right like I, I I say I hear myself say it as well I tried to get rid of my accent because the number one thing they tell you when you're from the south uh, you know, is when you're going to leave the South is, you know, you need to get rid of your accent. There's a lot of stigma around Southern accents that like that you're less educated or less informed. I like the word informed or less knowledgeable. Um, have you felt like you've had to push against that being out of the South and having a Southern accent? Um, when I joined the military, I remember like a lot of people like making fun of my like voice, like calling like country or like hillbilly. So I kind of felt like I had to like hide it because, you know, you're right when you're saying like people kind of think you're like not as smart or that type of thing. But I've learned that um, to embrace those kind of things, because that's what make you special. I have a friend. um, He's from another country and sometimes he's so insecure about his voice, but I love listening to him talk. And a lot (laughs) of times the things that we're so insecure about, are the things that make us like really special to other people. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, definitely you can hear your twang in your rap and it's, it's amazing. It's so, it's, it's, it's so unique. Um, who are those early influences in your life? And that could be musical or just non-musical influences that you, that you think you, you can hear and incorporate in even your art. Um, it would definitely be like Tina Turner, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson. I was really always into artists who like performed and who who danced and sang. And I've just always really been drawn drawn to like them. Even as a as a kid, my mom took the Tina Turner movie away from me because I watched <laughs> it so much. I watched it like after school, I would just watch it over and over and over. And she took it away actually. Well, Angela Bassett was so fierce in that movie. I mean, she was amazing. That's such a great movie. I love, I love that movie. What yes. now? I want to say you, you mentioned the military. So the military is a part of your background. Yes, I was in the Air Tell Force. Me. I was in the Air Force. You were in the Air. How long were you in the Air Force? I did about two and a half years. Wow. And, and I, and I think that there's the echo of not only you being Southern, but also kind of the military, uh, in your music, uh, as people have already maybe heard on the show today. Um, we hear a little bit of that attention, right. And the calling off of numbers, which could either be like dance choreography or it's, it's military marching, right? All of the above, like, um, (laughs) 
I've I've just had such a good experience of having so many different ingredients in the pot, and the military is just. It was something I didn't want to do, but when I look back in retrospect, I am so glad I got the experience there. I met some of my closest friends there, and I learned so much. It was just like, it was a really good experience. So you don't have a negative um, a negative perspective, perspective on it, even being a, a trans individual of serving in the military? No. Like, when I was in the military... Um, it was like, you could even be gay at the time. But if I could have been myself in the military, I would have been okay. Because it's, especially if you're coming um, from nothing, like, it was a good way to um, get my life started. Mm. Because I came from poverty and going into the military, you don't need anything but to just show up, you know. And they basically give you everything once you're there. So for me, it was a good way to get some footing. Absolutely. And obviously it teaches you discipline and a lot of art and making music is discipline. It takes discipline to, to do, um, to, to, to make a song, to make an album. And so I'm assuming that was really beneficial as well. Yes. It really taught me a lot just about like, and um, one of the one of the main slogans of the Air Force is like integrity first. And I just remember I can always hear like my my um, T.I. just like re re repeating that so much like integrity first, integrity mm -hmm. first. And it, it was just it was something I'm really grateful for. What is kind of your coming out story? When did you come to know um, that you were trans? I always knew ever since I was little and growing up in the church, I like prayed so much for God to like not make me this way. And I knew it. I always knew it. And I would try to fight it so much because in church, you always hear like you're going to hell and all of that stuff. And I did everything throughout my child and childhood life and my teenage years to try to not be this way. And eventually when I got in high school, I started seeing like um, other people who were kind of feminine and that kind of thing. And it kind of gave, it kind of gave me the courage to face the music and kind of go from, okay, it's not changing. How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to work this? And was that, um, were there dark times for you being someone who grew up in the church and grew up in the South, um, as I did as well? I remember it was, you know, it was hard for me to um, not accept that I was gay or, or lesbian, um, but, you know, just the messages and the culture around me didn't support me growing into authentically who I thought God thought you know, who, who God was telling me I was, was that hard for you? It was. And, you know, especially in high school and in, and being in like a Southern Baptist like community, because a lot of times, you know, it would be girls in my school who are like, well, you know what the Bible said, but they're like pregnant. You know what I mean? And it's just right. like the hypocrisy. It's, it's, yeah. It's almost like, well, I can do what I want, but the Bible says you can't do that. 
And it was it was really hard to deal with. And I just remember, like, at one point, I'm just like, God, I don't want to, like, go to hell and all this stuff. So just kill me now. Just, like, take me mm-hmm. now because I have tried to fight this. I have tried to, like, change. And nothing was working. And, what was the change? And- what happened? Just seeing, like, other people. When I got in high school and started seeing that, like, seeing other people who kind of were like me, like, no one was officially out, but you can kind of, like, tell, like, who was gay and that kind of stuff. And being around other people gave me the courage to just say, okay, this is what it is. This is what it is. And it sounds like you found your tribe. And and it sounds like often I feel like God sends us our tribe, right? Even if it's just one other person, we can hopefully cling to each other and survive adolescence or whenever that coming out adolescence is. And for some people that could happen at age 40 or 50, but for you and me, it sounds like it happened a lot younger. Mm-hmm. And like, and like they, these people weren't even my friends. They were just like a group that I would always see like in the lunchroom and I would see them around school. I wasn't even in their group, but just seeing them gave me the courage to say, okay, this is, this is who I am. And what brought you to Chicago? And when did you come to Chicago? I moved to Chicago, I want to say in 2006 or seven, but I came to Chicago on a trip to see Miss Continental which is um, usually at the Vic Theater. And yes. when I when I came to Chicago that one time, I knew this was the next step. I knew I wanted to come here. And when I was, I remember so clearly taking the train back, back to the blue line. And in my mind, I was just like, how am I going to get from South Dakota to here? Like that was, <laughs> that was just depressing. Um, the pressing issue in my mind was how am I going to make this happen? And when you got to Chicago, do you feel like you connected with the LGBTQ community first, or did you connect with the music community first? Were you making music when you arrived here? No, when I moved to Chicago, it's just, this is something I was thinking earlier this week is like, when I look back, it seemed like God always give me more than I asked for and when I moved to Chicago, I just wanted to be like a showgirl. I just wanted to lip sync in clubs and do that kind of stuff. And I had no idea that I would be making my own music. And and I always wanted to be a musician. I just felt there was no place for me. So drag and all of that stuff was like the way for me to be on stage. Right. And yeah. And so you, but you did ultimately put a pen to paper and start writing, writing lyrics. And how did that come about? Were you always writing? I have been writing since like I was a teenager. I just never felt it would really happen. So it was kind of just like a fantasy. And then one day, I I don't know what, I just was like, I want to do this. And I was so scared because for one, like when I listen to myself talk on voicemail and stuff, I'm like, oh my God, that's what I sound like. So to, so to like record myself, I, it took a long time for me to get comfortable, like hearing my voice back, especially because 
my voice is so different. I've always kind of been made fun of in school and stuff because my voice is light or twangy or soft. So finding the courage to put my voice out there was so scary. So that was like a big hurdle to get over. Well, and it it feels, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, it feels like when I listened to your debut album, which came out in 2016, so like less than 10 years after being here, you, you, you had an album out and it just feels like that album yes. is so dynamic. It has so many different flavors to it and tones to it and, um, is playful, but also I felt like after listening to beach street, I was like, I kind of feel like I know who Casey is. Like, you know, I felt this. And then right on the heels of that, that album, the same year you released church tapes, which kind of goes, Oh, now I'm seeing kind of where Casey came from. Right. Is that kind of how those two albums play out in your mind of like the Casey who's arrived and is just set free of beach street. And then the Casey of church tapes, which is rooted in all of the story before you arrived to Chicago. Um, when I was doing Beach Street, I still I feel like I was still finding my voice because when I was doing Beach Street, especially when I first started recording, I didn't like writing about my life. I didn't like writing about my personal experience. I was just trying to be like catchy and all of that kind of stuff. But then when I got to like church tapes, I was more comfortable with using my experiences as the storyline. And and that, that has been something I've really tried to um, focus myself on because when I'm writing, sometimes I'll write a line and I ask myself, can any other rapper say this? And when you listen to a lot of rap music, everyone is saying the same thing, but you have a personal story that you can tell that no one else can tell. So I ask myself like, hey, could anyone else say this? Or can I make this line something that only I can say, something that's so unique to myself? Well, and I hear that kind of come together. I mean, it it does feel like with um, last fall when you released, uh, you self-released an EP, which I always think of an EP as being like three or four songs. This is eight songs, um, The Campground. Um, Lior Galil of The Reader said, Casey's blunt verses are simultaneously voluptuous and tough as nails. And I do feel like there's this playful, um, voluptuous is such a great word that Lior uses, but that you're really letting that collide with some direct messages. It's, it's, it's a real sweet spot that you've created with that tension. Um, do you feel like Campground is that album is where you owned kind of who you were more fully and you're growing more confident. Yeah, definitely. And, and, um, like with, with campground, I feel that it was more just filling out what I want instead of trying to like jam a bunch of stuff in. And I'm still learning, like, what do I want my sound to be like? Because a lot of time, even like with the song I just released, Beat, 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 I didn't tell any of my friends that I was recording anything because I don't want everyone putting their, like, 
their bumper stickers on on my suitcase, you know? Like, I want to be able to sit and think, what do I want this to sound like? And for so many years, I've I've been asking people, oh, what do you think of this track and what should I do? And, and, and kind of twisting my art to fit what people were saying I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just trying to just do what works for me and trust my intuition and trust my point of view. Well, and and March 31st was just the International Transgender Day of Visibility. You released Beat, Beat, Beat um, in time for that. Um, And, you know, finally last year in the Democratic presidential debates, we started hearing network news stories talking about um, trans women, especially trans women of color. We saw all the Democratic candidates talking about that in one specific debate, I remember. Um, And and, and even though gay journalists have been – uh, telling stories um, of, of black trans women. And of course, just, you know, the the murder of black trans women is, is a topic that people are not talking about um, in mainstream. Um, how do we affect change with that? I mean, do you feel like a responsibility as a, as a trans woman and as a trans artist? I mean, I know I've heard that you don't like to be referenced as a trans rapper and I get it, you know, I don't want to be called like the lesbian, whatever, you know, but, but also I know when I started talking on the radio as a lesbian in the, in the late nineties and early two thousands, it was important because there weren't a lot of me out there doing what I was doing. Um, And there's not a lot of you, as you said, the people, the person who's had Casey's experience out telling these stories. So, do you feel that responsibility and are, do you welcome that, that, that it's important that you speak exactly from the lens of who you are? I always try to tell my story. I, and even though it's like painful, I try to figure out how can I make this uplifting, you know? Yes. Like I did, I did a panel once and it was like with a lot of trans people mostly like um, black and brown trans people. And they was kind of asking us our experience. And everyone was just like, oh, you know, this job fired me. And then my mom kicked me out and no one, no one would hire me. And yes, those are the experiences I have had too. But a lot of times when we see um, trans people telling their story, um, it's almost like a, pity case yes like victims like only the victim part of your story or the community story as opposed to also the joy and the and the expression and the victories yes and if if we're and when kids are looking at these stories we don't want to give them the impression that there's nothing but trouble ahead and i try to give some people like even with me talking about God, it it's it's hard a lot of times, especially with gay friends and stuff. But then there are people who come up to me and be like, "Hey, like I'm gay or I'm lesbian and I'm really into God." And hearing you say that makes me feel like okay, it's okay. And I I try not to just throw like wave all these flags in the air, but I want to create something where. Even though I'm telling my story as a black trans woman, that everyone can find some sense of belonging and some sense of like inspiration through what I went through. 
I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I've often said over the years when I've spoken out about either saying that I'm Christian or that I believe in God or that my faith is important to me, that a lot of ridicule comes back from, you know, the gay community, almost sometimes more than the religious or spiritual community yes. of people saying, how can you be? And I feel how strongly you proclaimed that with church tapes and, and even in campground and, and other songs, um, you know, we hear that, that that is a source of strength for you and, um, and a source of joy for you. Um, yes. I, I think that that's, that that's really Im- important and relevant. I think it's interesting what you say, cause you talk about that, even though there are tough times and, and things are hard growing up poor, um, you know, growing up in the South, um, that you still want, this is that tension I'm talking about in your music that I find that's very unique. And especially I find it unique in rap. And I will just say full disclosure, I'm not sure that I could, that I am, I am not an expert on the (laughs) genre of rap music, but I will say that, um, it feels fresh. It feels fresh what you're doing, not because you're trans, but because you're just being you. And it's not all so much. It's, it's not as this, the, uh, from a sexist lens that we often will hear or such a macho lens, honestly. And I, I, um, I'm, I'm interested if there are other women rappers that, you know, that you feel you've drawn inspiration from. Yes. Um, definitely it would be Lil' Kim. Uh-huh. I heard of Lil' Kim when I was like younger. And at first I just heard like, oh my gosh, she rapped so nasty, blah, 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 blah. So me growing up in like a Christian household, I didn't even want to listen. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm okay. I don't want to hear that, you know? And it came kind of come from like watching music videos. I started hearing her music and she just inspires me so much like even when i go to the studio sometimes i would listen to her music on the way there to like get my my juices flowing or like before i even go to the booth sometimes i would like rap her like it's my me 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 you know yes <laughs> i would like <laughs> i would like rap Lil kim to just get me like in the mood and she's like one of my biggest inspirations and she's also one, also someone who's like very sexy and she has this very sexual image, but she always talks about how important like God is to her. And that's just something I've just always admired is just who she is and her, her taking risks and just being a game changer. Well, and I, I'm curious because, you know, we were having much debates in my, my house, um, after the Grammys, um, my my partner and I, she and I were talking to our teenager about the Cardi B, uh, Megan Thee Stallion um, performance. And I'm just curious what your takeaway is from, um, you know, that performance or that song or that lens of um, women in rap today. You know, like when you listen to um, a lot of the songs that men are singing in rap, the stuff they are saying is a hundred times worse, but it, there there's always this like double standard that women should, you should act like a lady and your dress right. should be down to your ankles and cover up. And you know, when men talk about the same thing, it's so amazing. But when girls do it, it's like, they're like the scum of the earth. 
And I admire the women who could just do it and not care. Because even with me, sometimes when I'm writing, I'm like, oh my gosh, should I say that? Is that too nasty? But then when you listen to like the men, they say whatever they want. Yes, they do. And no one questions. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, and I, I guess I would ask how, um, how do you feel you are supported as a, as a songwriter and performer in Chicago in particular? Is this a good town to, for, for KC? Is this a good town to be KC and to grow and, and try new things? I feel like here I've really had time to like hone my craft and I feel like God has used Chicago to shape me in so many different areas. And like, for example, when I did my first big show, I was not good in my personal <laughs> opinion. And that one show got me hired at a nightclub where I had to perform like twice every week, but it was a really dark packed nightclub. So people could never see me. They could just hear me. And I was thinking like, wow, God let me practice in this dark room for like three years to get better and better and better. And all of the events that's happened to me in Chicago have kind of helped me learn what works and, and where I want to go. And I do feel like the community here is so supportive and there's been so many gigs I've gotten rather um, like Kristen, Elijah at reunion, like Kristen and Elijah at reunion, just so many people where they're like, Oh my God, I heard about this gig and I thought about you. And that's how a lot of my gigs have come to me just through word of mouth. So yeah, like the support has been really good. Yeah, you came to me through word of mouth as well from um, our music curator for the podcast, Salem. So I'm really, I'm really, really glad that she was like, you should check out KC for the show. And um, I, de I definitely did a deep dive uh, it, on Spotify onto all your tracks. Um, Thank you. So the past year has been hard, right? There's been a lot of trauma and um, a lot of pain. We've had the pandemic where we've definitely seen how racial disparity, um, the pandemic has been felt differently from um, BIPOC people and white people um, often. Um, also the summer, I mean, uh, the murder of George Floyd um, and, and all of the, um, you know, um, all the trauma that that caused, which, you know, not the first time, but was a new time and, and an arising of many, many people in our city. Um, were, was the past year something that just paralyzed you and didn't made you feel like, ah, I, I can't write? Or was it a year that so much was happening that that pain or trauma or experiences of this past year really set you on fire and, and had you writing more? Um, all of the trauma that has been going on, it's, it, for me, it's really hard. And I, even, even, you know, when I was in the gym today, they was showing like all the facts about the trial and, and I had to like not look 
And yeah. a lot of times when people ask me about like what's happening in the news or I I don't know because I've kind of trained myself to not look. And I know that doesn't work for everyone, but being black and like not even just being black, but being trans, it's hard to take in. And and like being like black and trans, it's like you are getting um, I just heard someone, I just heard a preacher say the person who stands in the middle of the road gets hit by both the traffic from both sides. And that's how I feel because, you know, like doing the whole Black Lives Matter protest and everything, I just felt so enraged at the stuff I was seeing, how the people were being treated at the protests and being body slammed and gassed and, and beat and all this stuff. And this, it just makes you so angry that you're treated this way because of the color of your skin. On the same token, there was a black trans woman who was attacked by a bunch of black men at one of the protests. And it's kind of what I mean. Like, you're getting hit by the cars coming from both ways. And for me, a lot of times that's just so hard to deal with because how you said about, like, the all these trans girls are getting murdered. Where is all the Black Lives Matter hashtags when these trans girls are being murdered? So it's like you have to, like, fight for the fight for the cause and fight the cause at the same time. And it could just be so traumatic to deal with. And a lot of times I have to just check out because it just really hurts. And especially for me, I hate seeing people suffering and to just see so many innocent lives lost just out of pure hatred and evil and to see that the hatred and evil is always being defended and protected. And it makes people feel that they they could get away with it. If there were being some strict consequences to these police officers, I bet you it would stop. But if you're seeing everyone else get away with it with no repercussions, what is to stop you from doing it? Right. And it's that audacity that we've experienced, um, you know, so often that culminated, I think, in George Floyd's murder um, and 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 the political climate that we have been in for for many, 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 many years. If we don't say many, 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 many decades and many, many, many centuries. Um, So were you writing a lot last year? I know that you. I know that you well, you put out Campground at the, in, in the fall. So obviously you were writing and finishing up that album. Then we get Beat, 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 which you've already heard on our show today, which feels like the sun's coming out a little bit as it already is in Chicago. It's getting warmer. <laughs> People are getting vaccinated. Beat, Beat, Beat feels a little like um, that joy coming back into KC and flowing out of her and kind of her gift to the community. But is that the lane you're going to stay in right now? Or what are you feeling is important and necessary for you to say in new material right now? Um, I, I wasn't writing a lot last year. Like, well, I was, but to me, nothing was sticking. 
Like, I write a lot, but it has to stick to me. Like, am I gonna... Like, a lot of times if I write a song, if the next day it's still stuck in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is the one I need to focus on. But I write a lot of times, and it's just like, oh. Like, I forget I forget about it, like, an hour later, you know? But with Beat, 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 I was just trying to... We have been stuck in the house for so long. Yes. And, <laughs> I keep thinking of like the Pride Parade and Pride Fest. And there are so many songs that when I hear them, I think of summer. And um, I wanted to create that feeling of fresh air. Like this is something like uplifting, you know, because um, something Bishop Jake says, the cheapest way to redecorate the room is with music. Mm. And I want to give people some joy because, you know, what we're just saying, when you turn on the TV, there is endless trauma. There's a million things to be angry about. There's a million things to be upset and and to get your blood pressure boiling. And I want to bring some like happy, some happy. And and that kind of came with me listening to Janet Jackson and. We used to watch her video. She was just always smiling and dancing. And a lot of times when you look in the music, now everyone's just mean and growling. And it just made me think of how Janet, you can hear like the joy in a lot of her music. And I wanted to bring that to the table. She had that joy and that little giggle that I yes. always love. <laughs> I love that you said fresh and summer and a, a fresh air. That's exactly what beat, beat, beat is for me. When um, you sent me it in advance to listen to it, I was like, oh, this is going to be my sum- part of my summer jam. Okay, Thank so <laughs> to wrap up this interview, let's just, a few quick questions. If the pandemic was over tomorrow and we're all out there and a huge pride parade of a million people celebrating um, and that, and it's pride month. Let's just, let's just fantasize that we would be there by June. We may not be, but let's just say in our <laughs> minds, we are, where do you want to perform first? Where would be like, I want to perform there. Like, this is what this first performance looks like. What are you, pl- what are you singing? What are you wearing? Where are you? Uh, this is what Scott, I big think big dream big girl. Cause I know you can, this is what I do in my head all the time. And we actually we had someone ask me this question at a party a few months ago. And my answer was Coachella and Lollapalooza. And someone, was, and someone in the room was like, oh, girl, like, get real. But if your dreams aren't scary, aren't making you look crazy, they're not big enough. And I would definitely say Coachella or Lollapalooza. I'm ready to hit those big stages. (laughs) I think you are. And okay, what, who would you be collaborating with on that stage at Lollapalooza? Or like, it's a, it's, it's like you and another powerhouse. And who's the other person? Anybody living or dead? Beyonce. Okay. (laughs) I love her so much because I feel like me and her on the same brainwave. And something I tell my grandma all the time, I'm like, every time I have an idea, Beyonce does it. And my grandma's <laughs> like, well, that shows that you're thinking the correct way, you know? That's right. Like, you're on the right path. So I would definitely say Beyonce. 
And tell me what artist would we know, would we be surprised to know is a guilty pleasure of yours? Who would shock us that is on, that you listen to or is on your playlist or makes you feel good or you love to listen to? Oh, I have so many. I would probably say I, lately I have really been into Blue Skies by Willie Nelson Mm. And also in the ghetto by Elvis Presley. There you go. I love all kind of music. I can name so many people that people will be shocked that I listen to, but I love music as like a whole. Well, and you you sample uh, David Bowie with Spencer, which I really love as well. Yes. So so many influences. Tell me what a perfect day in Chicago without. A pandemic without COVID-19. What's a perfect day in Chicago for Casey? I love summer and I love like, I love the street fest time, like market days and pride fest and midsummer fest. All those are just so fun because I grew up in like Mobile and it's not a, it's not a small, tiny town, but it's not a big town. And a lot of times when I just get to do stuff out in the big city, it just feels like like a dream that felt like it would never come to pass. And so I just love being out around people and and just uh, taking all of that in. And what would you say to someone who wants to start making music? Another young queer kid in Chicago wanting to make music. What would you say to them? So I have a friend who wants to make music and who keeps saying like, oh, like I'm going to put out a song when, when, this is, when this is lined up or I'm going to put out a song once I get this done. And just start now because it's going to be a long path. And the quicker you start, the quicker you can get on it. Because for so many years, I was like, well, I don't want to make music until I get my teeth fixed or... I don't want to make music until I get my boobs done, you know. But even once I waited all that time, it was still a long trip. So you might as well just start now and get it out the way. <laughs> I love it. Just get on getting. That's what yeah. you're telling us. Stop get on stalling. Getting. Stop stalling. Well, we are going to be jamming to beat, beat, beat as our summer jam. I think all summer long in Chicago as the, we're getting warmer, people are getting vaccinated and good times are ahead. But you are still also doing the work, Casey. And I appreciate it to be real and authentic um, and out uh, as a music maker that's important to our community, not only in Chicago, but also in the LGBTQ plus community. So thank you so much for being on the show and making music for us, lady. Thank you. And thanks for having me and be blessed. And uh, we look forward to having you back on our show. You're going to hear Casey because we play her music some on our show here and there, um, either under the news or under our queer picks. So if you want to get to know Casey's music, um, listen to or download her albums wherever you stream music. Um, just make sure you listen is what she says. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And now the Reader and Windy City Times staffers are going to share some things you need to know. It's time for Queer Picks. Hi, it's Janaya, and my Queer Pick is the T.S. Madison Experience, a new show on WeTV that follows comedian, online entertainer, and inspiration to many T.S. Madison 
as she works toward her dream of becoming America's next mainstream television talk show host. Madison is the first transgender woman to have her own show on the network and is continuing to trailblaze for many in the LGBTQ plus community. You can watch her show on WeTV. Hi, Karen, editorial and business associate at The Reader. My queer pick for this episode is the organization Black and Pink. Black and Pink is a prison abolitionist organization dedicated to abolishing the criminal punishment system and advocating for queer people and folks living with HIV and AIDS. My girlfriend and I connected with their Chicago chapter a few months ago to join their pen pal program, which I highly recommend for anyone looking to meet and help incarcerated people. Check out blackandpink.org for more information. Chicago Queer and Now is a collaboration of Windy City Times and Chicago Reader, both covering the stories of Chicago's LGBTQ plus community. Check out our first quarterly Windy City Times pullout in the Reader's March 4th, 2021 issue at chicagoreader.com. Thank you to our producer, Dennis, music curator, Salem, and our newsman, Kirk Williamson, who's here with that queer trivia answer. And back with our Chicago Queer Now trivia question this week. In which year did Chicago's first Pride Parade take place? Why, that was in June of 1970, one year after the Stonewall Uprising. And at the time, it was much more of a march than a parade. And thank you to our guest, KC Ortiz. That's it for our show. Find us on chicagoreader.com, windycitytimes.com, Apple, Google Play, or anywhere you download podcasts. I'm Amy Matheny. Thanks for listening to Chicago Queer and Now. Dance to the beat, 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 beat. Get up out of your seat, your seat. Summertime coming where the heat, where the heat. Come on out in the streets, the streets. Dance to the beat, 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 beat. Get up out of your seat, your seat. Summertime coming where the heat, where the heat. Come on out in the streets, the streets.